hope you guys enjoyed Thanksgiving. I did. I wore my uh, extra baggy sweatshirt to cover up my Thanksgiving gut that I gained. Um, I had a good week. Tuesday, uh, I, I got my hair cut. It was good. Do you guys like it? Yeah, I'm looking for some encouragement because uh, I, I, I got my hair cut and they didn't, have, it got so long, uh, it, it started to look, as some would say, stupid. Uh, and uh, I missed my other appointment. And so I called and I just basically begged uh, if there's any way to fit me in. And they wound up being able to fit me in. Uh, and it was, it was an awesome experience. And I got home and Aubrey was hanging out with one of my cousins and they dropped her off and she walked through the front door. Uh, and when I walked in uh, and walked up to give her a hug, she, she scr- let out a literal scream like, ah, she was like, what happened to your hair? And I said, uh, I said, I got it cut. And she was like, that was not a good idea, dad. And I was just like, okay. And then she hugged me and she goes, it'll be okay. Thankfully it'll grow back and walks off. So I was like, oh, thanks. Uh, but uh, despite the disappointing moment there, uh, the, actual, the actual experience, the Lord actually used it in a weird way, in the way that he does. I, I knew uh, this week that I was going to be teaching on gratitude and on Thanksgiving. And I very rarely let uh, the American holiday calendar dictate the messages I preach. I try to let the Holy Spirit do that. Uh, but the, some people get mad at me, you know, like I don't preach on love on Valentine's Day, you know, or whatever. But the, this, this year, I, I just felt deeply uh, motivated by the Lord to teach on gratitude, to teach on Thanksgiving, because it's been a significant thing in my life over the past year or so. And so I, I, I felt that way, and I was, I was leaning towards that. And every now and then, I'll get uh, kind of addicted to a subject in the Bible, and I'll just, I'll write about it, and I'll focus on it in my spare time for months and months. And this year, gratitude and thankfulness has been one of those things. And so the struggle at the beginning of the week uh, was leading into this is that, that I didn't know the direction the Lord wanted to go. Otherwise, you guys, if, if we talked about everything there was to talk about, about gratitude and thankfulness, you guys would be sitting here through both services and next week. And so I was struggling with, with what direction to go, what was the focus area. And then so Tuesday, um, in, inspired by many, 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 many discouraging compliments about the length of my hair, I knew that I needed uh, to go. And when, when you just have five or six random comments about your hair's getting a little too long, that, that is people being nice and translating that you look hideous. Something's horribly wrong with you. And so I, I, I text uh, the, the salon and I, and I basically was like, hey, if there's any way you guys can get me in today, that would be fantastic. And they had no appointments available. And Braden uh, is a, the, the, my barber and he's amazing. And, and he, he, he basically had nobody, but he fit me in. And he just said, you know, there may be, you may have to wait or you may have to do this, but I'll, I'll, I'll do my best to get you in this afternoon. And he did. And I went in there and, and I did. I had to wait a lot. And there's two things. One thing that I hate and one thing that I love. One thing that I hate is having to wait. One thing that I hate more than anything, whether I'm waiting in line and whether I'm waiting for 10 seconds or 10 minutes, doesn't matter. I hate it. Uh, this is not something that, I, it's not a strength of mine. If you ever see me waiting in a line uh, that's, that's of any, any length, then you know one of two things. The government's making me wait in that line, and in which case I'm okay for revolution because I hate waiting in lines that much. That's a bad timing for that joke. They're like, but not in the culture right now, Jordan. 
uh, but it's true. And, and the second one is Courtney's making me do it. Uh, and I resent her just the same. Okay. So I, I hate, I hate lines. The second thing that one that I love, uh, is, is that I love getting my hair washed. Like when you go to the salon and they wash your hair and they massage it and everything. I, that's why God gave us hair so that we could get our haircuts and get our hair washed. It's one of the things that I love and enjoy the most. And so this particular trip, I had to do the thing that I hated the most and I didn't get to uh, take part in the thing that I love the most about having hair. And so I, normally this would have not been a swell trip for me. Normally I would have been, I would have been frustrated. I would have been, I would have been like, felt like I'm just wasting my time, but I didn't. I, I showed up and knowing that I was going to have to wait, I showed up, that, that he cut my hair and then the, somebody showed up and then I had to wait some more. And the, when the girl went to, did wash my hair, she said, point blank, I'm too busy. I don't have time to do the deal. Like I'm just going to put shampoo in your hair and be done with it. And I made the statement to her, I'm just thankful to be here because I had begged for them to let me in, I, because there wasn't a space for me. There wasn't, I, I was gonna have to have all my Thanksgiving pictures look like a woolly mammoth, and I was gonna have to stand up here again on Sunday while the media team figured out how to cut my hair with digital aspects and editing uh, so that I didn't look ridiculous. And so I was truly thankful to be there. And as I was laying uh, there on the thing, washing my hair, and I made that statement, it was just one of those moments, one of those pastor moments that I just truly felt the Lord. And I just felt like immediately what the difference was, my attitude was different, my, my experience was different because I had a genuine heart of thankfulness and gratitude. Gratitude truly changed my attitude. That, that as I was, I was thankful, uh, because he let me in. I, I didn't get to get in. I didn't have an appointment. I, I didn't, I missed, in fact, I missed my appointment two weeks ago. That's why my hair was so long and he did me a huge favor. And so I was just thankful to be there. I, instead of being frustrated or impatient, uh, I was sitting in the chair thankful that I had the opportunity to wait. And though I would have been disappointed and, and sad that I didn't get my hair washed, I was just thankful that I was even in the room. And as I started to think about that and I left there, it just completely focused on that. And the following morning, in my prayer time, the Lord really began to speak to me on this aspect of thankfulness and this aspect of gratitude. And the Lord took me this direction that there, there is a, a, a realness, uh, a, a reality, uh, a truth that thankfulness and gratitude play a massive role in the life that we live, in the atmosphere at which we live it, and the attitude at which we have as we walk through life. And that in the same way, gratitude and thankfulness change it for the positive in a significant way, the lack of thankfulness and the lack of gratitude change it significantly negatively. In fact, one of the things that we're going to learn today, one of the things that we're going to look at today, uh, you're, we're going to realize the significant role that a lack of thankfulness actually had in the fall of humanity. It's deep. And so I want to, I want, the Lord took me to the scripture in Luke 17, 11 through 14. This is one of those, those, those moments is one of those things that Jesus takes part in. And it, it's, it's something that happens these 10 guys show up. It's something that happens, but, but, but what is happening in Luke 17, uh, start with verse 11, what's happening in this moment is, is in itself, it's not a parable. He's not telling a story. It's something that's actually happening. But I believe that this miracle, this thing that he does in itself is an actionable parable teaching something even deeper than what's actually happening on the surface. 
And so I want to look at this, and I want this story to be our launching point. We're going to begin here, and we're going to end here, and we're going to look at a few things in the middle of the message in other scriptures. But I, I want us to see this because there's one significant thing that I think is important in this conversation that, to start it. Luke 17, verse 11, it says, while Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered one of the villages, he was met by 10 lepers. Everybody say 10 lepers. 10 lepers, not one leper, not five lepers, but 10 lepers, 10 lepers. They stood at a distance and raised their voices shouting, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Now, they had to stand at a distance because they were not legally allowed to come within so many feet of anybody who did not have leprosy. It was like a, a leprosy restraining order back in this day that if you had leprosy, that you, you lived with other lepers, most of the time you had to live outside the city, and if you came into the city, you had to keep your distance from every single other human being. It was a life of isolation. Uh, it was a life of extreme difficulty. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was heinous. It was, it was incredibly, incredibly hard life to live. Um, but they heard that Jesus was coming through, and so from a distance, 10 lepers shout out to, uh, shout out to Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When Jesus saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they were on their way, they were cleansed. And so the reason he said to go show yourself to the priest, because in the Old Testament law, uh, if you had leprosy or if you had a skin disease that, that caused you to have to be separated from the rest of the people and God healed you or, that, or you became healed, you had to do two things according to the law of Moses. You had to go to the priest, offer a thanksgiving offering, offer a thank offering, a gift to God to say, thank you for my healing. And the second thing you had to do was let the priest inspect you uh, like, like, you know, high school, uh, 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 <coughs> what's it called? Oh, physical. Thank you. Everybody knew. All the guys knew. Girls were like, I don't, I don't get, I don't remember that. Like a physical, uh, getting, getting intimate to inspect you to make sure that it wasn't anywhere on your body. And that after you gave the gift, uh, the, the thank offering, and after he inspected you, if he pronounced you clean, cleansed or healed, uh, then you could enter back into society. And so Jesus, this was just, Jesus did this several times. And this was Jesus saying, I'm not coming to abolish the law, but I'm coming to fulfill the law. This was him saying that, that I'm, I'm, I'm not working against God's law. I'm not working against the prophets of the Old Testament. I'm actually the one fulfilling them. Um, and so something unique happens. He doesn't actually lay his hands on them. He doesn't actually say be healed. He doesn't actually do anything. He just tells them, go to the priest and show yourself. And in their act of faith of walking to the priest, they all become cleansed. They all become healed. But then in verse 15, something unique happens. In verse 15, it says that when one of them saw that he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice. And he fell face down at Jesus's feet in thanksgiving to him. And he was a Samaritan. Now, him being a Samaritan is a big deal, but that's a different message for a different day. But the thing that I want you to see is that 10 lepers were sick. 10 lepers called out to Jesus. 10 lepers were healed by Jesus, but only one leper came back to say thank you. Only one leper came back to say thank you. One of the most important things that you have to understand about gratitude 
and that you have to understand about thankfulness is that it is at the end of the day extremely unnatural for the human heart to be grateful and to be thankful. The thing that you see the most, the thing that should jump out at you more than anything else is that there were 10 who were healed and only one came back. If, if, if it was natural, if gratitude was natural and an attitude of thanksgiving was natural, if that was what was natural to humanity, then there wouldn't have been just one to come back. All 10 would have come back or the majority would have come back or maybe half would have come back or even 30% came back. But out of the 10 that went, only one came back. And this was such a significant thing that Jesus himself talks about it. Jesus himself makes sure that he acknowledges this truth in this moment, this reality that 10 were healed. Verse 17, he says, we're not all 10 cleansed. We're not all 10 healed. We're not all 10 given the gift that they asked for. We're not all 10 shown compassion. We're not all 10 shown mercy. Did not everyone who cried out receive what it is that they asked for? Why then did only one show back up? This is puzzling to Jesus. Attitude of gratitude and thanksgiving is a decision that we make, and it's not natural. It means that we have to, we have to make an effort, that it's not going to be our gut instinct to be thankful for what we have. It's not going to be our gut instinct uh, to have gratitude. It's not going to be. It's not going to be our go-to behavior. We may say, "Oh, thank you" in the moment uh, for certain things, but at the end of the day, what is natural for humanity is to be ungrateful. What is natural for humanity is to take the gifts of God and then live their life with zero gratitude towards Him. That's what's natural, and so we have to understand that there is a power in knowing that being grateful and that being thankful is a decision that we make in here and in here and it plays out in our life and it matters. And because my heart originally, as I was going through this and I was preparing for the message, originally my heart was more focused on why we aren't grateful and to maybe look through scripture and to talk through scripture and to see the reasons at which we are ungrateful, the reason that, that, that we aren't thankful but through the course of the week, through these things that the Lord led me to really look at, okay, what's the result in our lives of thankfulness or the lack of thankfulness? So in, in verse 19, when he says, then Jesus said, rise and go, your faith has made you well. The thing the Lord put on my heart is when he got up, when he rose up and he left, what life did he live after this moment because of the thankfulness and the gratitude that he had towards God, the thankfulness and the gratitude that he had toward Christ, and what life did the other nine live? They all come from the same place. They all were sick. They all had leprosy. They all lived in solitude. They were all outside the camp. They all cried out. They all received mercy. Nine were not thankful. Nine did not have gratitude. One did. My heart went to, and what the Lord led me to was what life did they live after they got up from this moment? The next day, how did the ungrateful and the thankless live? What life did they experience versus that of a heart of gratitude and that of a thankful heart? And so that's the direction I thought the Lord wants us to go and look at because there's such a significant amount of scripture that speaks to this. One of the most, uh, the, the most powerful ones, one of the most epic ones is in Romans. It's not going to be up there. There's a lot of scripture today. Now, I want you to listen. This is Romans 1, 
verse 20 through 23. Romans 1, verse 20 through 23. And I want to read this to you because God's going, what you're going to see here, and if you don't know the book of Romans, the book of Romans, especially the first 12 chapters, is a detailed look at the world that God created, uh, the issue of sin, uh, and the deep-seated need of salvation in Christ and grace. And he walks through everything from the creation of the world to the fall of sin, to the attitude of sinful mindsets, to the need of salvation, to the giving of Christ, to what it is to be filled with the Spirit and walk with the Spirit all the way to living our lives as living sacrifices and glorifying God now in this life and forever. It's the whole thing. That's why some people call Romans the Roman road because it starts at the beginning of life and takes you all the way down to the end of eternity. And it's a powerful book. And in chapter one, uh, it's, it talks about the fall of humanity. It talks about the weight of sin. It talks about the things that take place in, in our hearts and in our minds. And right here in verse 20, Romans 1 verse 20, he's depicting to you, he's showing something to you about a lack of thanksgiving, about a lack of gratitude towards God and the natural consequences it brings about in this life. In verse 20, it says this, for since creation, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from his workmanship so that men are without excuse. So that, that is a, a very powerful, theological, uh, inspired, Pauline way of saying, because you can see the sun, you know something greater than the sun, put it there. Because you see yourself, you wake up in the morning and you breathe. The fact that you're breathing, the fact that you're thinking, the fact that you can see the mountains and see the, the oceans, the fact that you can see this world proves without a doubt that there was a creator. Uh, it takes a lot of stupid geniuses to arrive at the fact that all of this happened by accident. His whole point is, he says, listen, you can literally wake up and literally smell something. And because you can smell, you know that God's real. He says, this is the heart of humanity, but this is what they did. He said, because this is true, he said, they knew God. They knew of God. They might not have known his name. Uh, they might not have known the fullness of him even now. And think of how much we know in scripture, how much we know of God and God's true greatness, God's true goodness and, and the true uh, majesty and beauty and power of God. We still can't fathom it. We can't imagine how, how great and how powerful he truly is. And this is, this is the truth. He says, but because they, they knew God, they knew that he was there, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and darkened in their foolish hearts. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images of mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. They said, the way humanity went the direction God's creation went. And when I, when I say that, I mean, I'm talking eighth grade history, world wars, genocide, murder, rape, the significant, horrible, wicked, and evil things that humanity does on a regular basis. That's what I mean by the direction humanity goes. He said, the heart of this began when they saw and knew of God but they did not view him as God or glorify or honor him as God, nor thank him for who he was and all that he had, get, all that he had done and all that he had given them. That, that we think about uh, Eve eating the fruit as this big heinous act of disobedience, and it was. But what Jesus, I mean, what, 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 what God's wanting us to see in Romans 1 
was that, that, that prior to the disobedience, prior, prior to that, there's something shifts in your heart, something shifts in your mind. And it's, it comes when you don't acknowledge God as God and when you don't thank God as God, when you take the world that he's given you, take the universe he's created, the world that he's created and the very life that he's given you, when you take all of that and you live with a lack of gratitude when there's no thanksgiving, when you are not truly thankful for the life that you have. He says that the natural, the natural consequence or what naturally happens is when humanity sees the vastness of God, sees the vastness of his creation and chooses not to be thankful and not to have gratitude towards God, the natural instinct is that your thinking becomes futile, which literally means pointless. That when you see the vastness of the universe and the vastness of the world and all that is life and you choose to live your life without thanking God, without acknowledgement and thankfulness and gratitude towards God, that the natural thing that happens in your mind is that your thinking becomes futile, your mind, your heart becomes darkened and you eventually begin to value things that aren't valuable and you trade those valueless things for what is truly valuable and that is ultimately God. He says that it leads you to a life of pointless things thinking, that you don't see what is true and real and valuable in life, that when you, when you see the vastness of what God gives you, when you see the gifts and you take the gifts, but you don't live with acknowledgement and gratitude and thankfulness, the natural consequence of that, it's not a punishment, it's just what comes naturally, the natural consequence of that is that you become futile and pointless in your thinking, and it sets you up to live a life of waste. And that, it, 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 it paints this picture that thanking God, that having gratitude towards God, that, that understanding the significance of who God is and what he's done for you, and then living with a thankful heart and a, and a, and a, and a heart of gratitude, it aligns your heart and your mind with God and his reality. That acknowledgement of God and being thankful for what he's given you and being thankful for what he's done, that it opens up your heart and your mind to see truth. It says that it leads you to foolishness. It, you can claim to be wise, but it actually makes you fools. That when you don't thank God, when you don't thank God for the gifts and you don't worship God for the gifts, the natural consequence is ultimately that you will begin to worship the gifts that you will always worship something. You'll always have a heart of thankfulness and focus and adoration towards something. And God says, when you take the gifts and don't worship God, when you take the gifts and don't be thankful to God, eventually your heart will get tied up with the gifts themselves. And that's in the end what they did. They traded the creation for the creator. They traded the gifts for the giver. They cut God out of the picture and then they became enslaved to this world. He says, that, that's the beginning that's, that's the fall. That's, what, that's why humanity goes the way. Have you ever thought about thankfulness playing that, that significant of a part in the fall of humanity? So if, if thankfulness leads to pointless thinking in the beginning, thankfulness and a lack of gratitude, a lack of thankfulness and a lack of gratitude is always gonna lead to pointless thinking. There's another side to this though. In Deuteronomy 8, and I'm going to read this really fast because I want you to see this. This is God bringing them into the promised land, the people of Israel. God had freed them from Egypt. He walked them through the desert for 40 years. He takes them up and he's telling them, this is what the promised land is going to be like. I'm going to sum up the first part of chapter eight. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. There's going to be resources everywhere. 
You're gonna live in cities you didn't build. There's gonna be copper in the hills and gold in the mines. There's everything that you will ever need. It's gonna all be there. It's already there. It's just there waiting on you and I'm gonna give it all to you. And then he picks this up with a warning in Deuteronomy 8, verse 10. He says, when you have eaten and are satisfied, when you've eaten and are satisfied of this land, praise the Lord your God for the good land he's given you. That word praise literally means bless. Bless the Lord your God. That means thank the Lord your God. Have a heart of gratitude to adore the Lord. Acknowledge him. When you, when you eat and you're satisfied, when you get into the land, and you've experienced the goodness of God, and you've experienced the blessings of God, when God blesses you, bless the Lord. When God blesses you, thank the Lord. When God blesses you, praise the Lord. He point blank says this. Then he says, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, there's that statement again, otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and you settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. So this is the warning from Deuteronomy 8, 10 through 14. The warning is, is when God blesses you and you don't bless God back, when God blesses you and you don't praise God for, when God blesses you and you don't show thankfulness in a heart of gratitude towards God, when God blesses you and you don't praise him for it, that very blessing will become a source of pride in your life and eventually dominate you cutting God out of the picture altogether. And so what the, the, the two things, and I know that this is deep, but the two things that I need you to understand from, from Romans and just from this, this is just two sides of it, that when you live a life lacking gratitude and that you live a life lacking thanksgiving, the two things that that is going to lead the heart of a human being to is pointless thinking and a heart filled with pride. That, that, that is the inevitable walk. If, if, if God gives you gifts, and when I say gifts, I mean life in general all the way down to the parking spot that you got at church this morning. Yeah, some people get so excited about parking spots. Their entire relationship with God is built on whether or not they get a parking spot at the front of the store or not. How's your life going? God's blessing me. I had a spot. It was put, parking lot was filled up. It was Black Friday and front row went out. It was <laughs> glory to God. It's amazing to me. When we take the gifts of God, and we take the blessing of God, but we don't thank him for it, we don't praise him for it, it becomes a source of pride in our life. And pride does something significant. Pride's far deeper than what we think it is. I think one of the things that, for the note takers, if you're gonna write something down, I think one of the things that's worthy of writing down and thinking about and meditating on is ultimately understanding that living a life of thanksgiving and living a life of gratitude is going to lead to the opposite of living a life of pride. That those are the two paths, it seems, that, that, that the Bible paints a picture of. One of thankfulness and gratitude unto God, acknowledgement of God and his greatness and his goodness, or a lack of thankfulness and a lack of gratitude, which leads you to being filled with pride, praising yourself and living your life for yourself. And you, and you may be going, man, I don't, I don't know Matt, about, about that. Well, what, what, was that, what would life like that look like? I'm glad you asked, I'm gonna tell you. 
Esther 5, I'm just gonna read this really fast. This is Haman and out of the book of Esther. Haman, is a, he's the bad guy. He's the villain in this story. But I want you to see something about Haman because God teaches us something. This, this, this changed my life multiple times over the last 10 years. This one set of scripture here in Esther 5 because Haman, Haman was as successful as you could get in life. Haman was not the king, but he was second in power only to the king. And he had the full authority of the king because the king gave it to him. He had so much authority and so much honor and so much power that as he walked around the city and rode his horse around the city, the city bowed down to him as they would the king himself. He was crazy powerful. And it says that, that, that in verse uh, 10, it says that calling together his friends in Zareth, his wife, Haman boasted to them about his vast wealth, his many sons, and all the ways the king had honored him, and how he had elevated him above all the other nobles and all the other officials. And that's not all, Haman said. I'm the only person Queen Esther invited to accompany the king to the banquet she gave. And she's throwing another banquet tomorrow, and I'm the guest of honor of that one too. So this is Haman making known making known, I am incredibly wealthy. I have vast wealth. I have many sons. I have all the power, all the honor, all the prestige, all the fame, all the authority. I have everything, everything that you can have as a human being in this temporary world. Haman had it. Haman had it. He had it all. But there was one problem in Haman's life. Esther's uncle Mordecai was the one human being in all the earth that would not bow down to him like he was a God. And this is important. He had everything there is to have in life. He possessed every, he had multiple houses. Okay, whatever, whatever the greatest things, whatever you're chasing in life outside of God, he had it tenfold over. But this one issue in his heart and in his mind, Mordecai would not bow down. Mordecai just treated him like he was just a normal official. What a horrible person. He wouldn't bow down and worship him. And I want you to see, I want you to see what pride does. I want you to see the result of pride. I want you to see what happens when, when, when God warns us that when God gives gifts and when God blesses, if we don't praise God and we don't bless God, that that very gift becomes a source of pride and fills our heart with pride, eventually forgetting God altogether and then living our life for ourselves, filled with pride, boasting in ourselves. This is the result. This is what it looks like. This is what life looks like when you don't bless God and when you don't praise God and when you don't have a thankfulness and a heart of thanksgiving and a heart of gratitude towards God and you get filled with pride. It just looks like this is, this is that life at the end of it. He says, I've got vast wealth. I've got many sons. I've, got, I've been honored in all these ways. I've been elevated in all these ways. If there's anything to possess, I possess it. If there's any honor to have, I have it. I have everything there is. In verse 13, it says, but all of this gives me no satisfaction as long as I see that Jew Mordecai sitting at the king's gate. That's what pride does. You can have everything there is, but you will never have satisfaction because pride never has satisfaction. Pride never is full. 
Pride always needs more, wants more. No matter what you possess and what you have, you will never have any joy. You will never have any peace. You will never have any contentment. You will never have any satisfaction because pride simply will not allow it. No matter what you possess, there is something that you don't. Pride will find it. And if it can't find it, it will create it. And because you don't have what pride says you need, you will lose all ounce of joy, satisfaction, and peace in everything you do have. The reason this is such a powerful scripture is because because this is Haman admitting, I have everything there is to have, but I still don't have joy and I don't have satisfaction and I don't have any peace and I have all this stuff, but there's always one thing that you don't have. This is the ultimate end of a life that lacks gratitude and thanksgiving. This is why, and we see this in things like this, but we also see this in, in our spoiled brats, otherwise known as children. I see this in my kids. There's not a lot of thankfulness there yet because it's not natural. There's not a lot of gratitude there yet. One of the things I love about my boy, Huddy, is he, he, he loves excitement. He loves adventure. He loves leaving the house. He wakes up every single morning. It, it, this is no exaggeration. Every morning, one of the very first things, he usually hugs me, tells me he loves me. I asked him if he slept good. He said, yeah, he may tell me something random, but as soon as his brain turns on, the first thing he says is, where are we going today? What are we doing today? When he goes to bed at night, he's like, what are we doing tomorrow when we wake up? What's the next adventure? And what I see, and this is a struggle, and I love that side of him, but this is the problem is, is you can take him to the jump park, because I've lived this out in my life. You can take him to the jump park in the morning, but as he's laying down for naps, and he says, what are we doing after naps? And you say, you know what? I thought the jump park was enough for you. He'll start crying. He'll go, I want to I stay home. I want to go do something. He's still got his jump socks on, but he's already sad and depressed and filled with anxiety because of something that he doesn't have. And I, I could tell you these stories because I got three kids and they're all ungrateful. I could tell you these stories from now until the cows come home. First time I've ever used that statement. But this is the thing that I want you to understand is that 10 lepers were healed. Nine of them went on to live a life like that. Nine of them took the gift and they took the blessing and they didn't have a sense of thankfulness and they didn't have a heart of gratitude. And so the direction their life went was the direction the Bible says life goes. Pointless thinking, a heart filled with pride, and those two things are gonna lead to dissatisfaction, a lack of joy, a lack of contentment, and a lack of peace. But the one, the one who came back, his life went a different direction. His life went a different direction. And, 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 and this is, I, I wanna share this just real fast because this is something the Lord is just way heavy on my heart. He understood the gift that he was given. He came back and he said, thank you, because he understood what he had actually been given. He understood what that gift meant. He knew that it was more than just a healing. He knew that it was more than just his skin disease being gone. He knew it meant something more. When I was in college and I met Courtney, this is, this is I'm, I'm being honest with you. I knew, very, I knew very early on, very early, maybe even the first date or two, 
that I felt incredibly different about her than I did any other girl, that I loved her. I, I knew that early on. Now, I was jacked up, messed up, and I was an idiot, and I tried my best to mess that whole thing up. Different, way different message for hopefully never, never a day. But, but I did love that girl very early on. And, and I, I wanted to get engaged to her quick. I just knew it in my heart. Because I knew in my heart, if I don't do this, I'm going to mess it up. I wanted, I wanted to marry her. I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her. So I went and got a ring. Unfortunately, they weren't giving out rings at the mall. And I didn't have any money. And so I had to find a ring that, that I think is beautiful. But it definitely wasn't extravagant. I had to buy it on credit. And they almost didn't let me do that. And, and I got it. And, and, and I gave it to her. And, uh, and she wept and she loved it. And, and so much so a little bit later when we had a little bit more money, I said, I can get you a new ring. And she said, why would I do that? I don't want a new ring. This, this ring, this ring is my ring. And one of the things that I saw because in, in where I went to college, there was a saying called a ring before spring because everybody was trying to get married. I, and I got to see a lot of engagements. Some of them were horrible and horrendous and some of them were amazing. But one of the things that I saw over and over again, I saw girls get their ring and were genuinely disappointed that the ring wasn't what they expected it to be, that the ring wasn't big enough. Now, if you're going through this right now, I don't know the story. Don't be like, did my mom email you? <laughs> but if the Holy Spirit's bringing conviction, then let it, let it happen. But I, I, saw, I, saw, I saw these girls just genuinely, dis you could see it on their face. You could see it on their face. They're like, yes, I, I guess. At some point, the engagement ring, I think, changed a little bit for some people. Eventually, you know, it became like a sense of like, are you ready to take care of me? So prove it to me by buying me like a seven-star diamond, clear, I don't know the terms. And that the bigness of it represented the love of it. And that if it was small, then it was small love and it was big, it was big love. That's not what it means. What an engagement ring really means, the ring itself is just a symbol for what I'm really giving her. The ring isn't the gift. What I'm really giving her is me. I'm saying to her, I wanna give you me. I, I wanna give you my life. I, I wanna give you my future. I want, I want the Bible says that, that we're one flesh. I want that. I, I want our souls, the Bible says, that, to be knitted together. I want, I'm giving you my, this, this ring means I'm giving you my soul to be knitted together with you. I'm giving you everything. I'm saying, I want to live my life with you. I want my, my money to be your money and my house to be your house. I, I, want, I want to share this life with you. I want to do this life with you. I'm giving you me and my future and everything I am and everything I have. And Courtney knew that that's what it meant. She knew that the, the ring was not the gift. The, that was just a symbol for the fullness of the gift. And so she wept when she got it. And she was happy when she got it. And she was satisfied when she got it because she was the luckiest girl in the world. I'm kidding. Somebody said, wow. <laughs> it's just a joke, bro. I was the luckiest man in the world. And we loved each other. And, and this, I think, I think as I started to think about this, I just started, multiple times this week, I started to cry before the Lord because I realized that so much of the time we look at God's gifts to us like the gift is the thing and it's never about the gift. That the gift is, is, is a symbol for who God really is and what God is really giving to us and really, really showing us. Everything from life, you know, him giving you life, that's God not just giving you life, he's not just giving you breath, that's God saying, 
I didn't need you in the universe, but I wanted you in the universe. The universe was totally fine. We were fine. I was fine. Didn't need the universe. I created the universe. The universe was just as good without you, but I wanted you here. I wanted you to have a part in it. And I created you distinctly to be you and who you are. That means that you're valuable. And then when we threw the whole thing away in sin, he paved the way for us through Christ and through the cross and through the gospel. And and the, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus, that in itself, we water down the way we view it. We look at it, it's just like, well, God didn't want us to go to hell, so he gave us Jesus. No, no, God did not just want you to go to hell. God did not just want you to go to heaven. God wanted you. He proved that to you by giving you Jesus Christ, by laying down his own son. He was saying to you, I want you to be, I want you to be, I want you to be my son. I want you to be my daughter. I want to be your God and I want to be your father. And we get so wrapped up in the, the temporary things, the, the, the power and, the, and the, the true thing God's giving us through the cross is not just temporary victory. He's giving us eternal victory. Do you know how often our life gets so jacked up and screwed up because of the way we view the temporary things in this world? And God's like, if you could just get your eyes off the temporary things and understand this life like that is going to be here today, gone tomorrow, that the true gift, what I'm truly giving you, what I'm truly saving you from, what I'm truly saving you to is an eternity with me. That, that if you could just step back and see the vastness of what I'm really giving you and you could see it, your thankfulness and the gratitude. I want you to understand that I'm giving you eternity, that everything, that's why Job, Job had everything taken from him, but he understood, I came into this world with nothing. And no matter whether it goes today or I leave it behind, I'll leave this world with nothing. He understood that life was about tomorrow, the big tomorrow. And, and, and that's what this, this, this one leper who came back and fell at the feet of Jesus to worship Jesus and to thank him. He understood that Jesus, that his healing meant way more than just a healing. It meant that Jesus was God. It meant that that God was good. It meant that God was merciful. It meant that God was great. It 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 meant so much more. It meant that God wanted to be with him in this life. It meant that God wanted to be his father. It meant he knew, he knew. And Jesus did this as a symbolic gesture of sin in itself in the gospel saying like he freed us from sin because he wanted us to be with him forever and that if if we could just make the decision because it's a decision to see this especially for christians and to have a thankfulness towards god in this way and to have a heart of gratitude that it will open up life And it will align our hearts and align our minds. It'll change the atmosphere. It'll change our view on everything. If we would just stop and just understand everything God's truly done for us and everything, what he's done, what it really means and what we have in him and what we have forever in him. I'm telling you right now, it would put that whole parking spot thing into perspective. It would, it would, all the, 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 the junk that we spend days fighting about in our marriages would just be nothingness. It would change everything in the same way that a lack of thankfulness and a lack of gratitude changes things significantly to the negative. Choosing to see a, to live a life of thankfulness and gratitude to God changes things significantly for the positive. I think one of the things that I want to close with, one of the things I'm trying to say is, is that your joy, your lack of joy maybe, or your lack of peace 
and your lack of contentment and satisfaction in this life is not connected to a lack of gifts. Your lack of joy is connected to a lack of gratitude because it's, a th- it's, it's thanksgiving and it's gratitude that truly, it, it, it sets things in line and you see the power of what you truly have and possess in Christ and in this life. Does that make sense? Does it? God has done so much for us. I want you to think about the worst day you could ever have. The worst day you could ever, the worst thing, even tragic moments. God understood, God understood the horribleness that comes from sin. He understood the death and the chaos and the destruction and the wickedness that comes from a life of sin and a world filled with sin. That's why God made it that whatever happens in this world, that it's gonna pass away forever and that we have eternity. So even in the worst, most tragic moment, there's something to be grateful for because God says there will come a day when there will be no more mourning. There will come a day when there'll be no more tears. There will come a day when there'll be no more death. There will come a day when there'll be no more sickness. There will come a day. And when we turn our heart to God and we acknowledge him and we thank him and we give him gratitude, these are the things that God just shows up in our heart and our mind. It changes the way that we think. It changes the way that we live. And so I would challenge you today, make a decision to be thankful. Make a decision to be grateful. And if you're part of the nine that that didn't come back this morning, he's just waiting on you. He loves you. He already loves you. He's done everything in the world for you. He's got your eternity secure. Let's say thank you to him this morning.